0: Hi, my name is Matt. The Old Testament reading is found in Psalm 95, 1 through 7. Come, let's sing out loud to the Lord. Let's raise a joyful shout to the rock of our salvation. Let's come before him with thanks. Let's shout songs of joy to him. The Lord is great, the great king over all other gods. The earth's depths are in his hands. The mountain heights belong to him. The sea which he made is his, along with the dry ground, which his own hands formed. Come, let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord, our Maker. He is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep in his hands. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Nikki Howard, and the New Testament reading is found in James 1, 17 and 18. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. The word of the Lord. Hey, my name is Jay Murph. Please stand for the gospel reading found in Luke seventeen, eleven through 19. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise be to our Lord Christ. We remain standing just a moment as we pray. Lord, prepare our hearts, Lord, to hear your words speaking to us. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray, and give us eyes to see Jesus. Give us ears to hear your word. Give us hearts to believe and to love and to serve you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, if you get too hot, I recommend making friends with people who've got those shady tents or moving over to the trees and all that. I hope you're you're okay. Everyone sunscreened up? Yes? You're like, okay, good, right, we're okay. Um. Today is uh, the conclusion of a, the short little series we've been in over the last couple of weeks called The Language of Prayer. And we've talked about this because we've said, look, most of us when we hear the word prayer are like, ah, I don't know if I know how to do that. And that sounds uh, intimidating or it just feels really confusing. And, and there is a lot of mystery, of course, to how prayer exact, exactly, quote unquote, works. And so, and so there is sometimes a lot of questions that come with prayer, but, but the, the goal is to not let those questions prevent us from actually praying. But sometimes we want to know well, how? How do we actually pray? What do I pray? How do I learn to pray? Well, the people of God in the Old Testament learned to pray by praying the Psalms. And so this book of Psalms in the Bible that we have, 150 of them, they're like language school in the language of prayer. Now, it wasn't just the people of God in the Old Testament, because in the New Testament, Christians learned to pray by praying the Psalms as well. In fact, there's a long history of Christians from the beginning praying many Psalms a day. In fact, some of them would try to pray through all 150 psalms every week. I mean, could you imagine that? And then over time they began to sort of lighten the load and say, "Well, let's just get through it in a month, you know?" And uh, and that was there's still many traditions that do that where you pray through the whole book of psalms every month. It's a wonderful way, even if you do it for a season, even if you do it for a few months or, you know, this fall or whatever. It's a wonderful way to sort of Build up your vocabulary in prayer, and you'll find yourself saying some of these phrases and saying, Oh, I guess it's okay to express this kind of uh, intensity of emotion with God. And so, week one of this series, we talked about petition and protest because those two things kind of go together. Sometimes we bring our petitions and we ask God, and then we don't quite get what we ask for, or it doesn't quite work out the way we ask. So, our petition leads into protest. But we talked in week one how both of those things are really acceptable before the Lord because they're ways of being in relationship with Him. And in the best and healthiest relationships, you're allowed to have a little bit of, or, or maybe a fair amount of protest, of wrestling, of saying, hey, how come you're doing this? I don't like it when you do this. And, and whenever that voice is stifled, that's a bad, that's an unhealthy relationship. That's, uh, it, it can even lead to a really unhealthy relationship where your voice is kind of pushed down. And so God doesn't squelch our voice, he, he wants us to lift it up. Then in week two of this series, Pastor Joey talked about the, the language of declaration, of being able to say what is true about who God is, and to hang on to that in the midst of the storms of life. And and then last week, we heard Pastor Evan and his wife, Karen, share through this most difficult and, and, and yet beautiful situation with their, uh, with their first child, with their son, William, talking about learning to somehow be thankful for the gift in each moment, even when there aren't guarantees. And how Thanksgiving, it finds a way to say, God, you did this. And it finds a way to connect our hearts to God's faithfulness. Well, this morning we're kind of putting a, a bow on the series. We're wrapping it up here. Of course, we could have gone on for several more weeks, but we're going to stop with this one today. And the word for this morning is praise. The word praise, the word for giving our, our expression of adoration and honor and um, exaltation up to the Lord. Now, a couple of people around me earlier doing that last song looked at me a little funny, so I probably need to just say a little a word of apology. But I, I used to lead worship, and when I was, I was one of those annoying worship leaders that was always saying things like, all right, put your hands together, you know? And uh, so I just couldn't help myself in that last song, because I noticed y'all weren't clapping, you know? So maybe, you know, maybe next time you get a, a song, just clap. It's great. It's a great way to physically express praise to God. You're like, I don't know the words, but you can clap. It's amazing. So anyway, okay. Um, there's my little caveat for why I couldn't uh, restrain just a moment ago. Everyone around me was like, what's he doing? Why did do, why do he say that? Years ago, there was an Old Testament scholar who wrote a, an article called The Costly Loss of Lament. And he talked about what happens to the church when we lose The ability to lament. Well, after that article, someone else wrote a response and says, oh, that's great. But, you know, there's also the costly loss of praise. That if it's true that we've lost how to connect with God in the bottom valley experiences of life, then maybe it's also true that we've lost the ability to connect with God in the mountaintop, at the peaks. And so we've sort of internalized, maybe from our Western culture, that life is meant to flatline. Don't get too happy. Don't get too sad. Just, just, you know, keep calm and carry on. And that's sort of the motto of, we think this is what good Christians do. We just sort of stay calm. Whoa, don't get so carried away with praise, my friend. Whoa, easy there, killer. Just keep calm and carry on. But actually, when you look at the Psalms, there are high peaks and low valleys. And they're communicating with God in the midst of both of those things. So if there is this loss of lament, there's also, in a sense, a loss of praise, When you think about it and you look out in Colorado, you look at the mountains behind us, you look at a beautiful sunrise, if you're, you know, an early riser, or if you catch the sunset, there's something that rises up in us and we want to give praise to someone because of that. And I sometimes think if there isn't in us this outright articulated faith or belief in God There's at least this little hint when you see something beautiful or awe-inspiring that you want to say, thank you for the ocean, but I don't know who to thank. Or you want to say, wow, look at that amazing sunset that reminds me of. And you don't quite know how to complete that phrase. Well, as people who belong to the living God, we're saying, no, those are occasions where we direct our praise Upwards. Psalm 95 is our text this morning. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. If not, you can listen to it. We heard it read earlier. I'm going to read it again. Come, let us sing out loud to the Lord. Let's raise a joyful shout to the rock of our salvation. Let's come before him with thanks. Let's shout songs of joy to him. This doesn't sound like keep calm and carry on. This sounds like the psalmist is saying, every once in a while, cut loose. Let it rip because there is a God who is worthy of praise. People who study and and, and dissect and outline how the psalms are structured have told us that these kinds of psalms are called hymns of praise. And the structure of a hymn of praise is really very simple. It only has two parts. It has a call to praise and then it has a reason for praise. Very straightforward. Hey, everybody, come and praise. And here's why. These psalms are like those songs with repetitive lyrics over and over again. Your love never fails, right? These are the psalms that keep us interested, not because the words are so clever, but because they're saying, it's pretty simple, come and praise, and here's why. And the psalmist in Psalm 95 really gives us two big reasons for praise. The first is this, and he goes on and he talks about the, verse 3. The Lord is a great God, the great king over all other gods. The earth's depths are in his hands and the mountain heights belong to him. The sea which he made is his along with the dry ground which his own hands formed. If we were to say, what's the reason number one for the psalmist in Psalm 95 for why we should praise God? He'd say, "You know what? This is why. Let me tell you why. Because God is a great God. He's the great God. He's the sovereign. He's the one overall. He's overall of creation. Look at His greatness." As the train goes by, it's been said that there are really sort of three basic prayers that come out of us. I, I think there's a, you could add a fourth, but uh, by this sort of popularization of this, people say, "Well, you know, the three most natural prayers are help." thanks and wow a psalm of praise is kind of the wow and psalm 95 says reason number one for praising god is wow those moments in life when you say wow god how excellent is your name how high and lifted up are you you are magnificent wow but the psalmist goes on verse 6 he says come and let us worship and bow down Let's kneel before the Lord, our maker. He's our God. We're the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. The second reason the psalmist gives for praise is not just that God is the great God, but that he's our God. There's something here about God's greatness and God's nearness that the psalmist is pulling together and he's saying, yeah, he's great. He's high, but he's also our God. He's near. He's the shepherd. He's close. The transcendence and imminence of God, these things belong together sometimes I think we want to pit one against the other and we say well I I don't know if I'm going to praise God for you know uh, you know this or this or this thing or that thing because he's kind of the great God so I I don't know if I want to just you know I mean isn't that trivial to give him praise for you know helping me to to pass the test or whatever you know But really, our New Testament reading, James says, look, every good and every perfect gift comes from him. So when we praise him, it's a way of saying, God, you're over all, you're both, you're over the great and you're over the small. And so I'm gonna give you praise for your greatness and for your nearness, both of those things. When I think about what this means for us personally, there's just two things I wanna say. Two things about what this means for us personally in our lives, when you develop the habit of lifting up praise to God, you know what it does? It actually breaks another habit. It breaks the habit of self-reliance. It breaks the habit of saying, well, I did that. Well, I made that happen. Well, that, you know, let me tell you why this worked. I got the job because I'm smart enough, good enough, and people like me, doggone it. Now, praise is an opportunity to break your habit of self-reliance, of saying, you know, someone, the Lord, I think, I'm gonna give God glory for this. I always think of this when, when someone has a baby. Because the first, what's the first thing we say when someone has a baby? Aw, so cute. Okay, great. What else? What else do you say to the parents? Congratulations, as if having a baby was an achievement. I'm not against saying congratulations. I know what we mean. But listen, isn't that a beautiful occasion to say, praise God. Praise God, right? I mean, you, you climb the incline, you say, hey, congrats, man. That's an achievement. Having a baby, that's a miracle. That's a miracle of life. And so there are, I, I want us to develop the, kinds, the kind of eyes and ears that we're looking for, we're trained for, we've sort of got our, our praise radar out. Tick, 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 tick. This, this, here's an occasion for praise. I'm going to give God glory for this. And as I do, it's going to break my habit of self-reliance. But the second thing I think about is that praise actually completes our joy. It completes our joy. When you're enjoying something, you can't help but praise it. Years ago, some 18, 19 years ago, I was with a group from our college and we were driving on a road trip to play music and do ministry and all this stuff. And it was the early hours of the morning. You know, the, 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 one of my friends was driving the van in the middle of the night. And I was one of those guys where I, I wasn't volunteering to do the night shift. But I always wanted to stay awake to keep, make sure the driver was awake. You know, I, I'm that guy. And so I was sitting next to him, and, and we're you know, trying to stay awake. And he's got, in the CD player, this might, this might uh, help you catch the scene a bit. In the CD player was the Braveheart soundtrack. And it was just epic. I mean, this was going to help us make it through the night. And it just so happened that around sunrise, we were driving through, I think it was Utah, and it was just, just the, this beautiful scenery and the Braveheart soundtrack, you know, and it was just this epic thing. And it took everything in me not to wake everyone else in the van up to say, guys, look, look outside the window, wake up. You're missing it. This is beautiful. We're not driving through Kansas anymore. <laughs> praise is the completion of joy. When we praise, you're allowing your joy to, to go all the way to its end. In fact, you might even say, if you stop short of praise, you're actually robbing yourself of your joy going all the way. You're kind of saying, well, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. But if you think about it, people are always praising the thing they love. They're always praising the thing they love, the thing they enjoy. Oh, you got to try this place. You got to try this restaurant. You got to go here. You got to take this trip. You got to go camping in this spot. You got to go fish in this river. The completion of enjoying a thing is to praise it and to praise it in front of others. The gospel is actually not anti-joy. You know, the gospel's not like, hey, don't have too much fun now. God's not saying, hey guys, I I appreciate that you're enjoying life, but um, tone it down a little. In fact, what the psalmist says is, you're enjoying life, great. Turn it all the way to 11 until your joy in life turns into praise for God. Turn it all the way to 11 until your joy in life turns into praise for God. Does that make sense? That's what the scriptures call us to do. Where are the places that there's joy in your life right now, in your friendships, in summertime, in sunshine, in the park? Great. Let your joy in life turn into praise for God. Turn it all the way up. The final thing I want to say is this. If praise... If joy culminates in praise, if, if this is where it ends, how is it cultivated? You say, Glenn, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to work within the bounds of my own personality, and that's important. You don't have to become someone you're not in order to be good at praising. You, you can praise in remarkable ways. You can praise in the classic British way by giving the sort of subdued compliment. This was not bad, you know. You can do that. You can work within the bounds of who you are. But do you know how you cultivate praise? You cultivate praise by beholding Jesus, by looking at who he is. Our gospel reading this morning was the story of the 10 lepers and only one came back to give thanks. And do you know, I, I, I heard someone speak on this recently and he pointed out something that I don't know how I've missed all these years. Because we always focus, oh, look, the leper was grateful. He, 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 he expressed, expressed gratitude, yes. But where did he express gratitude? The traditional Jewish place to offer up a sacrifice of thanksgiving was where? The temple. You you went and saw the priest, you offered a sacrifice, and you did it at the temple. This leper who was cleansed came back, and the gospel writer says, he knelt at the feet of Jesus and offered up thanksgiving to God there. What's the gospel writer trying to tell us? Jesus is this place where God the sovereign and the suffering servant come together. Jesus is this place where we see the greatness of God and the nearness of God coming together. The leper gives thanks at the feet of Jesus because something in him said, look, I see it. I don't need the temple or the priest or those sacrifices. It's you. Jesus, in you, all of this is fulfilled. In you, all of this comes together. You're sitting here this morning. You're thinking, man, where, where do we start? I I don't know if I, do I start with God, the great God? Do I start with Jesus? Is my better, you know? Where do I, where do I begin? The scriptures lead us to begin by beholding Jesus. This morning, it may be that you're saying, "I, I don't know that I have anything to praise God for. If I'm honest, this is going wrong. This is going wrong. This is going wrong. This is going wrong. How can I cultivate the habit and the heart of praise? By beholding Jesus. By seeing in Jesus the greatness and the nearness of God. And as you behold him in your hearts, praise begins to arise. Amen.